So uh, we're doing things a little bit different than we have in the past when we've done this. And uh, I don't know, I, Bryce kind of blew up the whole thing with his prayer. We should have just called that good and gone and ate because <laughs> that's, I, I don't know, Dana gives Bryce piano lessons and I think when he comes in now, I'm going to stop by while they're doing that and ask him what I'm supposed to preach on Sunday and <laughs> be able to figure that out <clears throat> a little easier. Again, doing things a little different, and, and here's kind of why. Um, to, to kind of take some time to celebrate, uh, to celebrate what God's done uh, in, in the three days that we've been together. And I say three days because we spent a day together in Perryton in August, or in July, a day yesterday here in Canadian, and then the time we're spending uh, today. Um, but just to... Um, what he's done with us and in us and through us as, as we've served uh, together and worshiped together, which sometimes I think is probably the, the same thing. But it, it, what we wanted to do is um, to kind of culminate in, in what I think we would consider the, 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 the high point and the pinnacle and the most important time that we do spend together, and that's around, um, around the Lord's table as we gather to have his... Uh, his supper uh, together as as one family, uh, and I say culminating, but but maybe I I think I should say beginning uh, around that table because I think any conversation that you have, whether it's with Jesus or with someone else, I think any th conversation that you have um, around that that table here is is probably is should be a primer for, to the many conversations that you're going to have throughout the rest of the day and the rest of the week, that, that, that this informs kind of every word we speak and every thought we have. Um, and so that's kind of our hope, that yes, it, it's a celebration of what we've done together and what Christ has done in, with, and through us, um, but it's also a, a primer to, to go out and, and continue that, that that doesn't just stop in here this morning or out there on yesterday morning on the sidewalks or, or with the paintbrush. Um, what Jake and I want to do is, as we do this, this is see, what you're getting is kind of an extended communion meditation, really. Um, but what we want to do is give you some food for thought to, to kind of prime that conversation pump uh, that, that we hope is going to start around this table in just a few minutes. Um, and then continue, not just around this table, but around the lunch table as we sit down to, to have a meal together. Uh, and then that hopefully those conversations don't stop there, but they encourage us to continue to have those conversations around our own family's table, at work, at school, wherever it may be, that, 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 that something that started in July will we'll be going next July until we change the conversation to a little bit of, of something else about some other amazing thing that, that, that God did. But that's what we hope happens, and we hope that those conversations are, are just what Bryce prayed about, and that's the goodness, the goodness of God and where, where we've seen that. Um, no doubt we've, we've all seen it, sometimes in the, the largest of miracles and sometimes in the smallest of mercies, but, but he's there. And he works in, through, and, and with, for us, constantly. 
And in the past few months, I, I've, I think I've seen that, at least in my, I, I don't know that it's always been in major things, but I've seen that in major ways. My eyes were, were kind of um, open to that goodness and to that presence. And it was kind of a neat experience for me um, because it made me look at myself a little bit um, and, and make some adjustments that I, that I think were, were, were really good. Um, and I, I, I want to tell you about that this morning because I think it's appropriate to this. My people have heard this story and I'm going to share it with you, but there's one caveat. I'm going to get a little personal here and I'm going to share some things about myself that to me are a little embarrassing. And I would ask that you hear and him hot up and laughing here. But once I get done, I would ask that you promise that you will never, ever bring it up again. <laughs> All right. You just, you just got, and it is going to be tempting. It's going to be tempting to go, hey, Matt, and especially at the grocery store, the football game. But I'm going to ask you to, to, to just leave that in here and take what I, that that's not what this is I'm talking about, but it's just to, to show you what it is. I said I experienced God's, God's grace. Here's, the, here's what it is. I'm a little nervous. My stomach's turning a little bit here. Don't judge me, I. I'm not a hugger at all. Don't need them. Don't really want them. That's that's my truth. And what I found out was that that maybe that's not who I am supposed to be. Maybe sometimes God knows me a little better than myself. Earlier this summer. It was right when summer was starting. We had a lot going on. It was just kind of chaotic in our, in our family and, and at church. It was when Trey Francis was in the hospital. We were worried sick about him being sick and praying our hearts out. I was helping out at our church camp, and I would go out there on Sunday afternoons, and it gave me time in the pickup to spend by myself and to think and to pray, and I was. And I was just praying to God about things going on everywhere. Um, church family, our family, um, Church, uh, camp family, all of that, and, and just a lot going on. And I was worried, and I was praying hard, and I was worrying more, and, and just, it just kind of eat me up. And, and it was a Sunday afternoon, so we just got done with church, and I'm kind of worn out after that anyway. And I, I, I decided I'm going to stop, and I'm going to get a Coke on my way out of town at the Oasis. So I pull into the Oasis, I go in, and when I open the door, Caleb Farah is standing at the cash register. And there are a couple of people behind him. And Caleb and I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say we're good friends. We know each other and have had meaningful conversations and we're more than acquaintances, but it's not like we hang out. And I looked at Caleb and gave him one of those, hey, and he said, hey, and I took another step and he put his money down and he was getting ready to hand somebody and he walked over to me in the middle of the oasis and he gave me one of the biggest hugs I'd ever gotten. And I'm not a hugger. And you know what I thought? I thought, holy cow, this is what I needed. I told him later that he was lucky that, that he wasn't standing there with a 50-year-old man bawling his eyes out, unwilling to let go, because I'd had all this stuff in me, and all of a sudden I walk in here, and when I got out of the pickup, the last thing on my mind, the last thing that I would have said that this is what I need God to do is find somebody to give me a hug. No, that's not on the list anywhere. All right? 
I, I would have... I would have been angry for somebody suggesting it. But I walked in there, and I, Caleb, whether I, he may be the, the biggest hugger in the world, I don't know, but, but I think God was at work, and there was some divine stuff in there. Because I can guarantee you, when I walked in there, the look on my face and my demeanor said anything but hug me. All right? <laughs> but that's exactly what he did. And he walked over, and he gives me a hug, and I, I just melted, and I didn't know why. And I paid for my drink and got back in the truck and had a conversation with God about that, going, I thank you. Because I was going, all the, all the stuff I had lined up and all the stuff that I thought I needed, I needed God to, to take care of Trey, to take care of my brother, to, to take care of church camp, to, to, to watch over my kids as they made big life decisions and, and make sure that they were doing right and and, and for him to be in those decisions and all these prayers that I had and the list of things that, that, that God needed to do. And God said, I, uh, sure, whatever, but I'm going to take care of you. And Matt, what you need right now is a hug. And I'm going, you had to use that to show me, but <laughs> he said, yes, yes. I, and it was, it was a wake-up call. It was something, again, that was unexpected, that was unwanted, yet God knew exactly what I needed. Even when I, I had, when I, I'm not in the same book, let alone on the same page with that. And I think that's, a, that's one of those small mercy things. That's one of those signs that, that God is good and that he cares and that he loves us. And that, that if we would let him, and I think this is key to a lot of this, if we would let him, he will take care of us. Because again, I, I don't know if Caleb's a hugger, but, but I think it was divine intervention that he came over. There was one guy that said, I'm going to listen to God and kind of change the life a little bit, displayed God's goodness. And there was another guy that's, that said, God, I need you to do this. And my, my mind and my heart was changed because he said yes. Didn't ask questions, just did what God wanted him to do. And I think that's a reminder to all of us that, 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 that that's where we need to be. We need to be, to be listening and, and acting on those things. The thing is, if we're too busy and our list is too long and our worries are too big and we don't take the time to open our ears a little bit and to open our heart a lot, God's never going to be able to speak in there to give us what we need. And, and we, can't, we can't survive without that, spiritually. We may think we can, but, but it, really, it can't happen. Because he says he, he, the way that's supposed to work is he's supposed to be in here constantly by invitation to say, I need you here, not I need you here with this. Despite me thinking I could take care of everything and, and, and my worry was because I couldn't and I, and I wasn't and I down, deep down knew that. Um, my stuff, that stuff got taken care of. Anyway, and my stuff 
all that junk I was holding and trying to figure out and telling God to fix, all that stuff got taken care of when I let God take care of me. That's when it happened. And when I let God take care of me and my stuff, he was able to help some others get through their stuff through me. Because I was a little more attentive, listened a little more, acted a little more quickly or without thought to what the Spirit was leading. Jesus says this is the way it works, him and in and through us. And uh, He says in John 15, 4 and 5, he says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. It's something that we, we have to remember. So many times we, we want to take the role of vine or we, and take care of everything and no, think it flows from us, and it does not. And that we get a little added in when Jesus says, when, when we think we need it, Jesus will come along. And it's not the way it works. It's just the opposite. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can, we can try and do good all we want. But if it's just me trying to pull this stuff off, it's, it's not really going to work. It's not going to be a real good. It's not going to be God good type of good. If my motivation is to do good because I can or because I'm good at it or because God said so or because I'm supposed to, all of those things are, are not going to work. One of two things is going to happen. One, we're going to fail miserably in our already weak relationship with Jesus because we don't understand that in me and we haven't let him in. Our weak relationship with Jesus is going to get weaker. Or number two, we do actually pull something off that looks close to goodness and we get the big head and... And that's going to end in a huge disaster at some point in time, having to learn lessons that nobody wants to learn about where our place stands. If we don't get that first it's God in us, that we have to remain in him and he in us, that we have to stay connected, because that's the only way this works is to stay connected to him. If we remain in him and allow him in here, to remain in us. Because God can't work through you. As much as you may want him to and as much as you may be trying for him, God can't work through you until he works in you. That's it. You know, God got all my stuff sorted out when I said, here's all my, not when I said, here's all my stuff. God got it all sorted out when I said, here's me. When my heart started working right, all of a sudden, my eyes started working right, and my stuff was still there, but it sure looked different. And every time I ask him to come and get to work on me, his answer is always yes, and it's always going to be yes for you. When we say, I, I need this, he says, I'm right here. I'm getting to work. You just say the word. My heart started working, my eyes started working, and, and things changed because he changed them. And he doesn't change them and he doesn't work in here because we've earned it or because we deserved it, but simply because he loves us because he closes out that 
part of that vine and the branches with verse 9. And he says, as the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. If we want people, which I think is a lot of this, why we do this go weekend, is to serve God and to serve people, to love them. If we want them to see that and understand that, if we want him to see how, them to see how good God is, that's where we ride, right there in that love. And that's what we got to remember. He's the vine. I'm the branch. Remain in him. Experience that love that he offers. And we don't have to try. We are just going to be the goodness that God is to those who are around. So several years ago that uh, the boys and I, I don't know if Allison was part of this or not. I know she was in the room, but it was one of those times when we were playing some videos games together and we had broken out the old Wii and we were playing Wii Sports Bowling, which was great because it was this perfect time in my life when the boys were young enough where I didn't feel bad about completely housing them and they were old enough where they still couldn't beat me. I loved it because I was going to come out the winner over and over and over. We were about two or three games in into this game of Wii Sports Bowling when one of the boys lost and things were getting a little bit too competitive, not between me and the boys, but between the siblings and one of them who will go unnamed decided to throw a controller. Well, I was shocked. I mean, I turned towards him and I said, where did you learn that? I can't believe you did that. And then I turned my face towards my wife to get support, and this was the look I was getting. Because she knew exactly where it had come from, you know. Kids, you become like your parents. If they throw Wii controllers, they're going to throw Wii controllers like Allison always did. <laughs> right? <laughs> Here's a truth that will always hit us. And it's about the goodness of God. It's about the goodness that, that we often want. But it's a, it's, a, it's a truth for parents. It's a truth for us. At some point in your life, it's going to hit you in the face. It's going to blow you back. And the truth is this, is you will always reproduce who you already are. I remember being in my 20s and that truth laying me down, realizing that the goodness I wanted others to see from God also had to be produced in me. When it comes to spiritual life, it's the same too. There's an old saying in, in family and youth ministry that goes, when it comes to faith, you'll, you'll get what you are. It's true for churches. It's true for us as individuals. If we want the world to see the goodness of God, the goodness of God has to be, as Matt just said, a product of us being connected to the vine. We will produce who we are. Our transformation, our growth, it can't be faked. It can't be put out on social media. We really will produce what is going on in here. In a world that's starving for, I think, goodness and wholeness and people to get excited about what really matters, we can't produce that goodness through hard work and human effort and a bunch of pulling up ourselves by our bootstraps. And the reason it doesn't work that way, that transformation cannot be mass-produced, 
is because you'll always end up producing what's really inside of you. Jesus said it, right? Out of the mouth speaks the overflow of the heart. Kids throw weed controllers because parents throw weed controllers. Those guys are not named Allison. They're named Jake. I don't like to lose, right? But that's a problem in here. And so it's a weird way for Matt and I to talk about the goodness of God. We could just get up and maybe tell stories about all the goodness, but we wanted today to share the goodness of God out of how he likes to move that goodness by making us and transforming us to be good. The Christian life is not an information process of I've got the right answers. It's a discipleship process of I've got the right savior working in me. Another way that Jesus talked about this, and he talked about it all the time, not only in what Matt just read out of John 15, it comes out of the Sermon on the Mount too in Matthew 7, where he goes this, very famous passage, maybe one of the most misused passages in all the Bible, but he says this in Matthew 7, 1 through 6, do not judge or you too will be judged. And it would be great if we just left it there, right? But of course, like Jesus, he's always got a little more to say. He says this to us. He says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You're hip, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, Jesus, although we miss it because we're not, we probably miss it for a couple reasons. We miss the humor in this. Jesus is trying to be humorous. We miss it because we probably are a little too familiar with this passage, or we miss it because we're not first century Jewish audience, right? But there is humor there. The humor is the idea of us putting on this badge and getting out there and being the spec police and going around with our little license to inspect other people's eyes. While at the same time, we've got a log sticking out of our eye that keeps knocking everybody in the head. It's a humorous thing. He's using hyperbole to say, how ridiculous is it for the people of God to walk around going, hey, you got something in your eye, when all the time you look like a ridiculous person with something just coming out of your eye. But the message here is clear. The message is clear is that we as people should not be people, if we want people to see the goodness of God, it's not our job, just as Bryce prayed, it's not our job to first talk about the problems of others, but the humor here allows us to do, dive into the real teaching. It's, it's about us dealing with the log in our own eye first. The first move of goodness comes from God removing our problems. The first move is never us becoming the sin police or the church police. The first move is always to become a logger. Now we understand ranching and we understand all kinds of ING words and I don't know if there's much logging in the Texas Panhandle because if we did it for six months, there'd be no trees, right? But this is the idea, become a logger. 
get out there, not first to remove, but first to let God work. It's not to be a sin policeman, but to deal with my problems first and act accordingly. Now, I want you to imagine for just a moment the implications of that. Imagine if the church really got serious about relaxing our hands, unfolding our fist, dropping the stones that many of us carry even though we don't want to admit it. And our first move for the goodness of God to be seen wasn't to look outward, but was to look in a mirror. Imagine the change that could happen. Imagine the world that could be different if we took off the spec police badge and we worked in here first. What Jesus is saying is by removing that log, then there's room. There's now room in your life. There's room for confession and there's room for repentance. There's room, there's room for you to come clean. There's room for baptism. There's room for communion. There's room for the goodness of God. And then that goodness can flow out because it's only in removing the log that we can see clearly what God has done in us that we can go out and help our brothers and sisters and say, hey, let me help you with this. It's a truth we've been saying that God does the same work in us that he wants to do through us. That's the way it flows. Jesus teaches that over and over. It's an inside out proposition, the kingdom of heaven is. It comes here first and then moves outward. It's a partnership. It's a, it's a deal that God makes and he says, I wanna partner with you and I want to send you out. And that leads us to communion. Because communion is this amazing exercise in displaying the goodness of God. But I gotta admit, I'm gonna confess to everybody this morning, I know that that, that um, probably shouldn't do this, but it's just been laid so heavy on my heart since Wednesday night. I was up in the Wednesday night teen class um, that we're doing right now. And something was said in a little video we were watching that just has wrecked me. And it's about the goodness of God. And it's about God doing the goodness of work, the work of goodness in me to move that outwards. And I gotta confess that I have messed this up. That I sometimes get things so backwards, but the truth that I realized Wednesday night is a truth I wanna lead us into communion with as we share around the table, is that communion is not a ritual. Communion is not something in which we just go through the motions, nor is our relationship with God about some moral code and standard. See, where we make the mistake and where I've been making a mistake often, uh, not even consciously, is that I've been trying to get people to come to know not Jesus himself, but the product of Jesus. Maybe a better way to say that is what was laid on me Wednesday night was often we make the mistake of introducing people to the moral code of Christianity instead of Christ of Christianity. Does that make sense? And we do that. Man, how often have I wanted just to introduce people to the church or to a ritual or to a standard, right? 
And when I do that, I'm just going around looking for specks in people's eyes. Here's a standard, get the speck out of your eye and then meet the standard instead of introducing them to Jesus. And that's what communion is. I don't know how often I've done that. I don't think that's something new to me. But I think I've slipped into that. Or I want people to come see a great church family or I want people to come see some good teens or, that, are, that are trying to follow Jesus. And instead of introducing them to Jesus, I ended up introducing them to something lesser. And I want you all to have that on your heart this morning because that's where we find the goodness of God. As we commune, we're not coming to a rule. Well, the Bible says we should commune. Yeah, it does. But we commune to come to the ruler of all things. Right? Communion is not a ritual. It is a practice of getting into the presence of the body of Christ, both vertically and horizontally. And so this morning, remember that God wants to do the same work in you that he wants to do through you. And he wants to use all of us, but his goal isn't to use you, it's to be with you. And by being with you, you will produce fruit to go out into the world. And when we commune, it's the goal is not just to go through the motions and take bread and cup. The goal is to be with Jesus and to be with the people that Jesus has cleansed. So if our guys that are leading and passing communion this morning would come on up, we're gonna do it a little different than we've done this. We've done this several times, but our six guys and our four guys in the back, they're gonna... They're gonna pass communion. We're gonna pray twice up here. We're gonna pray for the bread and we're gonna pray for the cup uh, consecutively. And then uh, while they're passing, we're just gonna ask you guys to share in the goodness of God. Share with people around you. Share with those who are, uh, who are near you, who are neighbors, who are, who are caring with you, sharing with you something that is good about the Lord. And so I think Bryson's going to kick us off and then Kyle's going to pray. Is that right? Do I have it backwards? Bread cup. Okay, that's right. Kyle's going to pray for the bread. Then Bryson's going to pray for the cup. They're going to do that consecutively. Then they're going to pass out the bread and then they're going to come back and pass out the cup. But during that time, we want y'all to just share. Share in the goodness of God. If there's somebody around you you don't know because maybe they attend a different congregation than you. Turn to them and say, we share the same blood and body. Well, that may be awkward. Yeah, it's true though. Be awkward for the truth, right? That's a beautiful truth that we need to remind each other. I can't tell you how important it is for me to hear from other people week after week after week. I share in the broken body of Jesus with you. I need that reminder. So as we commune this morning, we're gonna take a few moments and then after the cup is shared, we'll take a few more moments just sharing with each other. If you need to get up and walk around and go find somebody, do that. Uh, but let's just all commune and let the work of God be in us and then let it be through us.